Wireless isn't an option in our products today. It's an expectation. Our systems use RF technology broadly to communicate about the environment around them, upgrade their capabilities through seamless software updates in the field, or to receive instructions on their next task. Is communication the end-all be-all of this ubiquitous technology, or are there new possibilities to give wireless an expanded new path? I can remember being an intern in the late 90s. Uh, it was really only just over 20 years ago or so, and hearing about this new technology that was going to allow me uh, to have my printer on one side of my cubicle, my uh, desktop PC on the other side of my cubicle, and be able to print from, from there to there without the bulky parallel cable uh, that had been such a pain to stretch across the entirety of the cube. Um, you know, at that time, it seemed crazy that this new technology named after some colorful Viking uh, could possibly allow me to do something so futuristic um, and, 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 uh, and, and capable. Uh, but today, we couldn't imagine a world without Bluetooth. I know for me, I couldn't imagine going on a run without it myself. Um, and, and I think we've seen so many advances in wireless technology, we kind of take for granted how quickly it's all happened. But as we look at this wireless technology that we're using every single day, is the communication of data really all we're going to be able to do with it? Or can we take some of these same radios like Bluetooth and do brand new things with it to expand what our applications are capable of? Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Bob Card, ASE Marketing Manager at On Semi, and an expert in this area about this. Bob, thanks so much for joining me today. Really always appreciate having your expertise on The Current. Hey, thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me as well. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, as we're looking at this and, and, and looking at some of the emerging technologies, one of the emerging technologies I'm seeing when it comes to Bluetooth and, and BLE um, is this capability of using Bluetooth radios, the newest Bluetooth radios, um, for location of objects or people within a building um, and being able to have that capability with existing file layers that, that exist in the Bluetooth radio itself. Can you talk to me a little bit about where that's going and what you're seeing with that technology? Sure. It's a, it's a pretty interesting space and uh, it's, it's pretty dynamic. And, and actually, I think it's just beginning, really. Um, so the Bluetooth, uh, taking a step back, Bluetooth is really governed by this uh, special interest group or Bluetooth special interest group or, or Bluetooth SIG. Uh, and they've done a great job back in 2010 or so. They kind of diverted from Bluetooth Classic to Bluetooth Low Energy. So Bluetooth Low Energy, that's sort of, a, you know, we're wireless, but there's a lot of other wireless options. How are we going to be how are we going to be unique and stand out and be a niche? And that's that low power. So, yeah. you know, BLE low power. And so around so basically at that point they started proliferating even more and they had the ability to measure proximity so if you had uh one device uh one, two bluetooth bluetooth devices within you know give or take 30 40 50 feet from each other um they can do what's called an advertisement and one device get advertised to another device the device would see that in the advertisement right. would be a packet that has uh the uuid which is a Universal identifier tells it what it, who it is, and right. also the transmit strength. And the receiver could measure that and say, um, with this RSSI or received signal strength indicator, and say, oh, you're roughly 20 feet away. However, it had no idea, let's say you and I are talking to each other, we're, you're a beacon and I'm, I'm the receiver. I don't know if you're in front of me, if you're right. behind me, to my left, 
to my right. So that's the problem. So in 2019, the uh, Bluetooth SIG came out with 5.1 spec. And in that, they, they uh, defined angle of arrival and angle of departure. And those two things enabled BLE to be a part of real-time location services and indoor positioning systems. So that was kind of the... And the big piece okay. of that is in the packet, and we all know we have packets, we have started packet and a packet. There's, there's delimiters inside, and you know it's very well sort of specified what you can do and can't do. So we, so we have that interoperability. They created a thing called the CTE, or the Constant Tone Extension. And that's an extension of the packet where you can generate these tones, 50, 250 mm -hmm. kilohertz tones, um, or receive those tones. So for real-time location services, according to BLE uh, SIG, um, you have what's called a locator, and it sits somewhere, let's just say we have a room, and it sits there, and it's usually stationary, and it's got an antenna array. And that antenna array, um, it controls this antenna array, and this can be a number of antennas, and they're specifically spaced apart from one another. Meanwhile, you can have these, let's call them tags. They're, they're things that are typically moving, right? And what they do, if they want to participate in real-time location services, is they transmit these tones. And what the locator does uh, is that it, is a re it, it, looks, it listens to, the, to antenna one, reads right. the tones, goes to antenna two, reads the tones, antenna three, so on and so forth. And each time it reads in the tones, it can sample those tones and generate what are called IQ samples or in-phase quadrature. And with the right. physics of those different antenna in different locations, it can actually pinpoint the, uh, the, the angular direction. So that was, the, that was the big step forward for BLE to be able to be part of that. Uh, right. It also, inside the packet, has the RSSI and the UUID. So it can say, oh, I see Todd. I know Todd's this far away, and I know Todd's, and also a transmit power, and I'll, I also know you're you're in front of me, you're not behind me. And right. uh, if you move, if I keep sampling, if you move to my left, I can I can follow you, or you move to my right, I can follow you right. within a certain amount of latency. Right. Um, indoor positioning systems is a is very similar, but it's a little bit different. The roles of transmit and receive are swapped. So you still got the locator, he's sitting there, and you've got, and it's got the array, um, and you've still got these moving, I don't call them tags anymore, because with IPS, it's typically uh, something more like, uh, let's say, say an, an autonomous robot, a mobile autonomous robot. It's moving around in space. It doesn't really know where it is, uh, right. because you're indoors, you don't have GPS, right? So, and it's kind of like the GPS story. So what it does, instead of, uh, with our uh, real-time location services where the tag transmits, now the autonomous robot receives. And now the right. locator for indoor positioning, it's transmitting. So it so it does it by antenna. Antenna one, I transmit the tones. Antenna two, right. I transmit the tones. Antenna, and so on and so forth. Now the autonomous robot for its, so, what, so the end game is it will calculate its position. It has to have knowledge of the layout right. of the antenna array. That's that's important. So right. so so the physics of the layout, it can figure out the angle of departure. So right. angle of arrival is for real time location services where the locator figures out where the tags are. Indoor positioning uses angle of departure where the 
things that are typically moving, let's call them robots, they figure out where they are. So right. they have to do those calculations. In real-time location services, the calculations are done in the locator. Right, right. Yeah, it's incredible. Right. I mean, in, in the, the power of that, I mean, we, we're all familiar with GPS technology when we're outdoors, but yeah. once we get inside of a building, it's hard to know exactly where you are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having that capability is incredible. Right, right. And, uh, right. yeah, and one of the big uh, things that are that are competing with that is ultra-wideband. Right. Yeah. And we've and seen that, Apple using that, obviously. I mean, that, that's probably the one that, that a lot of the viewers are familiar with. Apple's yeah. kind of embraced ultra-wideband on their tags. So right. what are you seeing kind of the differences between what ultra-wideband yeah. is doing versus what BLE's capable? Well, it's super cool and interesting right now. And it's, it's just one of those times in industry, which is one of my favorite parts of being in this field, is yeah. that it's, it's pretty dynamic right now. You know, it's A, a it depends on who you listen to, <laughs> which is kind of funny. <laughs> always. Which is always, yeah, and, and I don't think there's going to be a, a winner. Like there's no silver mm -hmm. bullet. I think there's a number of different technologies that are coexist because it's a pretty wide um, application for, you know, uh, location services. And, right, and, uh, right. So basically, um, they're both very, they're similar in the sense that they're, uh, um, their range is a similar range. Uh, their power consumption is relatively similar, which surprised me. I always, like BLE, I always, you know, relegate as like the, the best way of doing wireless, lowest power. But ultra widebound turns out to be pretty low power as well. Um, and I gathered this, yeah, in 2019, Apple came out with the Apple, uh, the iPhone 11. They made their own ultra wide chip, chip. That's a, they call it U1. And they have three antenna. I saw a tear down. They have three little antenna inside. So it's very similar to the AOD and AOA. Um, but what's different is BLE uses 2.4 gig ISM and it's, mm -hmm. it's basically got 40 channels, two megahertz per channel. So it's got a bandwidth of total of 80 megahertz. Ultra wideband has a bandwidth of 500 megahertz. So it's got more bandwidth and plus it's, it's not restricted to one center frequency. It's, it's got, it goes from, I think it's 3.1 gig to 10.6 gig. So it can generate data rates of 25 megabit, 27 megabits per second, whereas BLE is two megabits per second. Right. It also pulses, it does pulsing in the order of two to two to four nanoseconds. So they both measure RSSI. They both measure AOA. Um, however, what stands out, what US, um, USB, what ultra wideband can do is measure time of flight. And time right. of flight gives it higher accuracy and mm -hmm. higher, better latency. And it, latency is an, <clears throat> an interesting thing because, I don't know, if you have a room and you're doing asset tracking and you've got things in this room. Let's say it's a hospital and you've got a storage right. room and you've got right. 20 IV pumps in there. Those IV pumps on order tend to go into the closet or that storage room and come back, leave and come back, maybe on the order of a few times a day, let's say. So your, your uh, accuracy, so it's one thing to have accuracy, a few meters. Um, your latency is probably fine if it's 15 minutes. Right. Now contrast that with, let's say you're a coach of a professional athletic team. And uh, let's say it's soccer or hockey or something like that. And we're seeing these use cases where you want to try out a new defense. 
and talk about a competitive industry. And there's a few things yeah. I wouldn't want to be in. One is a professional coach because there's only one winner. <laughs> and if you're not that one winner, you're probably not going to be working the next year. So I, right. I right. do need my job next year. So high turnover. Uh, there's high turnover. Yeah, it's a tough. But yeah. uh, so there, I can see a great benefit of being able to put these tags on your players, in your players' uniforms, yeah. their, their padding, um, and within, with the latency of sub one second, which you can get with BLE. You can get sub-meter accuracy with BLE, AOA and AOD. But with ultra-wideband, you can go down to below a foot, and you can right. go way sub-second, like yeah. way sub-second. So it does beat, so it does have that advantage. But it's going to be application specific. If you don't care about, yeah. So if you're happy, if your application is happy with sub, uh, sub one meter, sub one second, then BLE, as far as I can tell, BLE, you know, with five point one with AOA and AOD with RSSI, yeah, it's a pretty good go way to go. Right. Right. Well, I guess there's also the aspect of you know if you're going to go with an ultra wideband, you you need a separate radio. Um, whereas Bluetooth is, again, pretty ubiquitous in a lot of devices. So yeah. if you're already using the Bluetooth for data communication, you can kind of reuse that same or, and repurpose that same radio for the location services and, and maybe reduce the amount of hardware in the system, I assume would be what would be capable. In, well, in that's true. I mean, there. yeah, uh, right. I mean, another way of saying that is you can control your keyboard remotely and you're printing you so many things, you know, you can stream audio. There's so many things you can do with Bluetooth. With ultra wideband, there's just not a lot of applications written for it. However, right. it's interesting because uh, iPhone's been doing their, so the 11, the 12, and the 13, which are their flagship phones, right. have had this ultra wideband uh, chip. Mm -hmm. Samsung's S21 and S22 have them as well. So if okay. you look at uh, GSM Arena, who I like, I like for, to get my my statistics for for smartphones. Right. They'll own. They predict they'll own thirty eight percent of the global smartphone market market in twenty twenty two, which is over right. five hundred million phones. Yeah, that's a pretty good presence of ultra wideband. So that so that's fair. And the other thing is, uh, BMW's latest. Uh, electric, all electric SUV, the XI, I believe it's called. Yeah, um, right, right. The IX, I'm sorry. They're going to be right. using ultra wideband for their, they call it their digital key. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So one of the, I don't, have you run into man in the middle relay attack? Right. Yeah. That, that we've definitely done some studies on that and then security and trying to get, uh, get a little bit more knowledge in the security space. Right. So man in the middle relay attack. The idea mm -hmm. is you've got two bad guys. You've got the vehicle and you've got the car owner. When the vehicle right. and the car owner has got the key fob is far enough away, a bad guy, bad guy number one can approach the door, capture the car challenging, doing a challenging response. So it sends out, right. it transmits this information. The bad right. guy number one can capture that, record it, relay it to the bad guy number two. The bad guy number two can send that to the uh, key fob, right. record what the key fob sends back which is the challenge the response to the challenge and then right. the bad guy number two sends that to bad guy number one he broadcasts that back to the car right. car door unlocks he can drive away so that's right. a yeah that's a big big deal and ble aoa aod cannot defend against that 
right. ultra okay. wideband can because okay. ultra wideband has time of flight. So you have time signatures that are down to the, you know, hundreds of nanoseconds. Yeah. So you can tell that the user is far away from the vehicle and this is in fact an attack, not an actual attempt right. to start the car by the proper user. Right, because a man-in-the-middle relay attack has latency. It, it adds right. latency to the transaction. Yeah, if yeah okay. If, okay. If it's authentic and there is no bad guys, then the, the timing's different. Right, right. So that's, uh, a, yeah. Definitely fascinating. I mean, these are things that you don't consider all the time. I mean, it, 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 no. we get into so many different areas of engineering as soon as we're talking about wireless. It's, it's not just about the capabilities. It's also about... What do we do about bad actors who want to abuse oh, yeah. this new capability? Right. And it's a very eloquent uh, attack. It's not yeah. easy to... It's simple but elegant. Usually the yeah, most elegant right. things are simple. Right. Um, but then again, um, so if you listen to the Bluetooth SIG, they say, well, that's true. There are some um, there are some applications where you know ultra-wideband is, is the way to go. But there's many, many other applications where... Submeter accuracy and submeter, um, I'm sorry, submeter accuracy and subsecond latency is just fine, uh, right, and I right. can I can picture that. Um, yeah, there was a recent report from, and I totally recommend you checking it out by Gardner, uh, 2022, their their global marketing report on real time location services, and it's very interesting. They break the number of they break all the companies into quadrants. You've got challengers, you've got visionaries. You've got niche players right. and leaders, leaders, right. challengers, niche players, and 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 visioneers, and um, you know one of the uh, big challenges with AOA and AOD, if you're okay with that submeter, um, uh, subsecond latency, is the processing. Yeah. You know, right. there's a lot of processing. Uh, I was surprised. In other words, you can't do it on an M M4 chip. It's it's a right. you need a there's a lot of processing. It's going to um, need a Cortex A or something, maybe an M7. Possibly. I think you, I think you can need a, you know, PC. Yo, uh, real okay. So you yeah, got a full-on operating system. You get a full-on operating system. Yeah, I don't okay. think it's a, okay. it is non-trivial because what you have, let's say, I mean, it's one thing to have a room that's twenty feet by twenty feet with five tags, one locator. Yeah, you could probably do that on a on an M4 or an M33 right. maybe. But if you have, uh, let's say, all those walls are metal, which happens, you're going to have a yeah. lot of reflections. They call that. Um, um, what do they call it? Multipath, right? So you yeah. so and, and you got to deal. You got to be able to figure out are those real or reflections. Um, also, uh, body blocking. The human body blocks them. So there's a lot of things that makes it much more complicated. Um, plus, yeah. you increase the number of tags. You increase the square footage. You have multiple locators. Um, it becomes quite complex. And even yeah. like doing your design for your relay board at the locator. That may be application specific. You might want, you know, you might do a certain design with a small number of tags, small area. You may have five floors where each floor is 10,000 square feet or 100,000 square feet. It's a whole different right. thing. Yeah. There's a company called Coupa, K, I'm sorry, K, Q U U P P A. They're a. Right, yes. Oh, you've heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. There's, okay, they're a spinoff from Nokia up in Finland and they do an excellent job. That's where, kind of where they fit. So they we right, partner right. with them. They buy our silicon, like our RSL 10, our RSL 15 Bluetooth devices, BLE devices. Mm -hmm. uh, RSL 15 supports the AOA and AOD uh, right. and the IQ sampling. And um, they can use those uh, in their systems. 
they go to end end customers that you know that let's say a hospital or you know a municipality or or a warehouse or something and they they do the algorithm they do the antenna design they handle all the little issues uh they're not a lot of biggest and small issues of of making it all work and making it resilient and making it work under noisy environments so um yeah uh, and, yeah. and partners like that, I think, are critical in these new expanding areas. And I guess that's another question for you, you know, with somebody like Coupa, you know, taking the RSL 15, obviously a fairly recent launch from on semi, very, yeah. very low power consumption and a BLE radio that, that it offers. Um, but if you're going to go and try and use that for location services, um, there is some additional circuitry that needs to be added around it. What, what are those considerations that an engineer has to take into account in that design to get the RSL 15 to a point where it can handle an AOA or AOD application? Well, it's, it has a lot to do with uh, the antenna. Uh, it's a lot of it's the algorithm and it's highly, it's highly dependent on the uh, application. So, right. I mean, we we're planning to build an antenna board, but we don't have one right now because right. we right. know, um, gosh, I can't, it's almost like a, sh- it's almost like a, a shoe size, you know, right. it's, yeah. I mean, okay, we'll make a size nine. That'll right. fit some people, but there's yeah. going to be a whole, you know, you're going to hit 20% of the market. I don't know, whatever it is, some small chunk sure. of the market. So it's really, the intended design is, is, is it depends on the market and uh, the application. Like, for example, if you've got that hockey rink where everybody's moving really fast, right. you're, you may want to have six locators around the rink. Um, I'm not an expert, but I, I and and you need a certain amount of processing, and it's highly algorithm specific uh, to be right. able to solve to be able to get good resolution and get a good result. Go to a warehouse; um, it's a different story. You know, you're dealing with other problems, um, yeah. and you have other strategies. Um, you may have you may be able to find with three antenna per locator. Or you may want to go with 12 antenna for a locator. I, I don't know. So it's right. It's really, um, I think there's there's sort of a stratification where folks like ourselves with OnSemi, we generate the, the silicon. It does uh, the IQ sampling. It generates the tones, does the IQ sampling, meets all the specifications. And so companies like Coupa and um, uh, who else? Um, uh, Zebra. I was surprised they're a leader in this. Uh, really? Okay. That yeah, yeah, yeah. It does yeah. kind of make sense. Yeah. And uh, so Gardner put out this report for 2022 and they captured all the, so some of the leaders are Zebra, Ubisense, uh, Inpixon, Juniper Networks. Some of the yeah. challengers are Cisco, Stanley Healthcare, HID Global. Uh, some of the visionaries are, are uh, Coupa and Litum. And some of the niche right. players of Midmark, Sonatar, Gardar, RFID, and Purple IQ. I mentioned all these because what's interesting is they all use BLE. This is interesting to me. They all use BLE in the global companies. However, 90% of them also use some combination of BLE with ultra wideband, Wi Fi, RFID, and NFC. You've got the bases covered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? So if you want, yeah. like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be a good supplier and, and make a good product, yeah. I'm not, I, honestly, I'm really not smart to just, you know, because they all offer different things. Right, right. You got to love NFC because you can't sniff it. You know, it's only, yep. 
it's only it only broadcasts this far. So it's a beautiful yeah. Intri- yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting space. And according yeah. to Bluetooth Sig, it's just starting. They're looking right. at a twenty-five uh, percent CAGR or cumulative uh, growth rate. Uh, yeah, out to twenty from twenty twenty-two to twenty twenty-six. Unbelievable. And I mean, it is wireless is getting into everything. And it sounds like, you know, a lot of companies aren't wanting to pick the winners and losers of that. And and, and there may everybody may be a winner in that. I Um, think so. Yeah. Yeah. But as more and more technologies come onto the scene, it definitely adds the complexity of our designs and makes that power consumption portion for our radios even that more critical. Um, Because, you know, if you're having to power that many radios in one application to fit all the different potential standards, um, you know, it can definitely get a little bit ugly on, on, on the power requirements and especially with things getting more and more battery operated. Um, that always becomes a challenge. Well, it's interesting because Samsung's S21 and S22 has the ultra wideband and BLE 5.2. Right. So they can do AOA and AOD. Right. iPhone 11, 12 and 13 has the ultra wideband, but BLE 5.0. So they okay. can't do BLE, AOA and AOD. So that's interesting. They've made a decision yeah, that they're completely. putting that kind of sort of in the ultra wideband basket. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they don't even have flexibility at that point. They, they do want to go to, you know, w- what requires 5.1 or 5.2 BLE. Right. Uh, they couldn't do AOA or AOD if they're just at They 5. can't 0. do AOA or AOD right now. They're, right. they're, they're, I would, okay, they're kind of boxed into ultra wideband, but it's a good solution for them. Um, yeah, no doubt. I love I've, one of their marketing things. They've got a picture of one of their iPhones and it says your keys are 20 feet to the right. 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 <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> that's pretty handy. I, I think I could use that a few times. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I know there's plenty of days. I, I shouldn't say this on, on, on camera, but my wife uh, is constantly looking for her keys or glasses or something else. So, oh, yeah, that would be a very handy thing to have. Oh, well. So, uh, so one of my favorite companies is uh, is Milwaukee Tool. Yeah. And they yeah. just at so they they're just like unbelievable. They make over 300 tools that run off of three bit different battery packs. Don't get me started. Right. That is right. like one of the best ecosystem moves you could do as a company. And I'm, you know, so and what they're doing is they're adding a thing called one key. And it's a basically a little uh, and it's a coin cell <laughs> battery uh, tag that has a right. BLE device in it. You, you attach right. it to it. It's got an, a QR code. So you get an app on your phone from Milwaukee, you scan the QR code, so you, the app comes up and you type in, this is a, uh, you know, this is my power drill, belongs to Bob Card. Uh, right. This is the date, you know, and and then you hit enter. And so from then on, it gets built into this ecosystem. So if you're a construction worker or you're better, better you're the manager, um, yeah. when you go into a site, can you imagine how expensive it is? We've all been that, like you do a job. Okay, yeah. so honestly, for do it yourself, I can't count the number of times I get, you know, twenty percent into a job. I got to run back to the store to buy a, a blah blah blah. Oh yeah, I'm oh, like yeah. notorious for that. I can't yeah. plan. So picture construction workers, they've got to plan. They've got to yeah. know everything's got to get on the truck and be brought to the site, um, you know, so they can be yeah. efficient. And it they just goes. They can locate it. Yeah. They can locate it. Yeah. So it's, it's a huge market. Yeah. Well, the applications are endless. I mean, we, we talked about hospitals. You've talked about, you know, a, a construction site. 
Um, there's so many different applications where, where this is going to go. And, and the, the tracking of objects and many, many objects very, very easily is going to become, I think, something that we, just like we do with Bluetooth and the expectation that I'm going to be able to connect uh, my earphones to it, I think we will probably see a lot of that in our devices that we purchase, particularly electronic devices that we purchase um, as a ubiquitous standard for something we're looking at before we're ready to put our credit card down and buy it. Yeah. So definitely exciting. So you know, we've talked, you know, specifically on the Bluetooth side and, and just, you know, outside of maybe just the location services of things with that RSL 15 that you guys have released and the very low power consumption of it is a Bluetooth radio that does support this. You know, there are a lot of other options out there, a lot of other radios. The RSL 15 is not the only one. Yeah. Where do you guys feel that the on semi solution really shines there? Well, we, we point to four value, value advantages. Uh, first off, you mentioned is the low power. Second one is the security because we, we have the Trustone CryptoCell uh, 312, right. which comes from directly from ARM. Um, and then the, uh, the coded file long range. So we can go with the extra distance, um, uh, which is nice. And then the AOA and AOD. And so right. going back to the low power and, you know, for those of you who know me and have seen me before, I'm, I'm evangelistic about, I've got a background of lithium ion and I can drive people crazy with the, the coin cell battery life. It's just, I can't get off that horse. And right. so, for example, with you take the RSL 15 and you power it exclusively with a 240 milliamp hour coin cell, which is ubiquitous in the market, and you do yeah. just simple advertisements, which I like to use as an example because it's, um, it's very finite and defined of how to do it. Uh, so you can sort of do an apple to apple comparison, what I'm trying to right. say. So you can do a connectable or non-connectable advertisement with a data payload of like 11 bytes, which is enough to to tell someone your transmit power and your yeah. UUID and then maybe some other data. Um, and uh, what else? Uh, on a With a 32 kilobyte of memory retention, which... You know, while you're sleeping, if you have a certain amount of memory, if you're keeping a certain amount of memory powered, which we all do that ourselves right. and all of our competition, you can wake up faster and go back to sleep faster. So it's a bit of a trade off there. So we have excellent performance for doing that. So if you can get 10 years coin cell battery life, if you advertise with what I just described, 11 byte payload, 32 kilobyte of memory retention, uh, if you advertise every two and a half seconds with a zero dB transmit strength. And so that's very good performance. And I, I spent a lot of time looking at the competition. And uh, like our, our, our sleep currents while we're retaining memory is in the hundreds of nanoamps. Yeah. Um, Todd, I've spent most of my career in a lab as a, as a lab rat. It's not easy to measure 100 nanoamps. <laughs> that's true. It really isn't. <laughs> uh, you yeah. know, it, it's, it takes a while because you've got to clean up your your setup because your setup's going to be, you know, it's like putting your thumb on the scale. Um, right, so right. it's really fantastic performance. Uh, yeah. The security is very good. Um, we have uh, secure boot. Uh, we have uh, a wide range of encryption for AES 128, 256, SHA. We have, we can store the keys. We have lifecycle management, um, uh, secure debug, which is cool. Uh, true random number generator for the challenger response. Right. So that's important. Right. Um, yep. And then for the coded phi uh, long range, that's a that's a basic scheme that you know allows you to uh, uh, transmit far four times farther than normal uh, with BLE. Um, 
the way that works is you're basically, uh, you add more encryption. So your data rate goes down as you transmit farther because you're adding more, not encryption, you're adding more error correction. Right. right. So that's kind of how that works. And then finally, the AOA and AOD, which we discussed. So those five things, uh, but mainly to set us apart, is the low power. Anybody thinking about using BLE with a coin cell, I feel, is doing a disservice to their customer and to themselves if they don't check out the RSL 10 and the RSL 15. And my name is Bob Card. If you ever want to talk to me about it at OnSemi, I'm your guy because I'm all over that. <laughs> no doubt about that, and, and and I think we we at Future certainly have that experience, and yeah. um, you know, and the great results that uh, speaking with Bob uh, helps us with when we're working with engineers on these types of applications. So, um, you know, definitely would would love to make those introductions and be part of that as well. So, Bob, thanks so much. This is it was an absolutely incredible conversation. I think you know, thinking about using BLE in these ways, and, and also where some of the competitors to BLE like Ultra Wideband are, are going, and the strengths of that competition is really, really impressive. And I've enjoyed the heck out of the conversation. Can't thank you enough for bringing your expertise onto the current. If anyone with the audience, uh, hopefully you guys have gotten a lot out of this conversation as well. If you have any designs, like Bob said, uh, that you're looking at where you were looking at BLE or you're looking at positioning um, of devices, we at Future Electronics would absolutely love to help you. We'd love to introduce you to Bob for, for uh, those that, uh, that need his expertise as well. Um, so please reach out to us at Shaping the Future, one word, Shaping the Future at FutureElectronics.com. Again, Shaping the Future at FutureElectronics.com. We'd love to get our engineering team working with your engineers um, and make introductions to some of the great uh, other engineers and individuals that we get a chance to work with, uh, like Bob at OnSemi. Thank you so much for your time today and your support of The Current. We'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Hey, thanks, Todd. I really appreciate the time. Have a great day, bud.